everybody to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined after a week-long hiatus by Pete Zayas. Uh, Pete, I, I welcomed you back by telling three of some terrible jokes off off camera here. Yeah, you know, you, you welcomed me back. You started it out by telling me that you had just finished a dip in, a, in the pool on a Tuesday afternoon at 1.30. And I got these like terrible images of you as like Phoebe Cates and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It was just like, yeah, we're off to a bad start. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the sprinkler was playing ball or was, was, was going off behind me and nice slow walk back towards the camera. It was, it was a good look. It was a good look. Um, I thought you were going to like murder me because I just get to just kind of jump in the pool or whatever. But but I'm glad that you went straight to fast fast times at Ridgemont High. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Red bikini top, front <laughs> latching, and everything. Um, <laughs> I look good in red. We uh, we're gonna talk though today. I have a theory that I, I ran by Harrison first, and I tested on Harrison first regarding the way the Lakers have put the center rotation together. So I'm going to run that by Pete now. And then in yesterday's show, I talked a lot about, well, the entire show was devoted to Josh Hart and KCP, and, and that it's actually good to have multiple players on the same team. And we're going to let that kind of lead into, we're recording this before the Lakers play their Vegas Summer League Championship game. Uh, because it's at 7.30 and I don't feel like recording at 10 o'clock on a day where, you know, during the summer in July. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit about what we've seen from the guys out there in Vegas and, and our overall Vegas experience. Um, so plenty to get to today. You guys know where to show, find the show. Megaphone slash Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break, Spotify, Alexa, Silver Screen and Roll, where I write and Pete writes. You can follow me on Twitter at AnthonyNerwell.com. Irwin LA. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Lakers and you can find Pete on Twitter at Laker Film Room. Let's start here uh, with with the center conversation. And, and basically the the basis of my theory is that this some this this center rotation is so obviously weak that I, I, I feel like it can't have been on accident, right? That they didn't just strike out and and this is what they were kind of left with. So maybe it's an overly optimistic thought process on my end, but but there's no way a team with LeBron James that's hoping to make the playoffs is is okay with JaVale McGee, Ivica Zubats, and then a rookie, Mo Wagner. Uh, are you cool with that as like a starting point? I mean, I, th- I think you're right. I think that it's not on accident, and it has all of us kind of trying to figure out what they're going for, which one of the first places to start is, you know, are we going to see LeBron kind of filling that Julius Randle role of being the small ball five? And he's done that very periodically throughout his career, usually in the finals against mm-hmm. Golden State and things like that. But he hasn't done a whole lot of that. He's even been kind of reticent to go to play more minutes at the four, although that eventually did happen. And that's where he played most of this season. That's, you know, I, you just can't help but wonder, right? Because Zoo was not a rotation caliber guy last no. year. We don't know about Wagner. Uh, it, it would be foolish to assume that he will be right away. And then JaVale is like, he fills his role perfectly well, but for what, like two shifts a game? So that's what, 15 minutes? Yep. So you've got a lot of, you know, you've got about 30 to 35 minutes per game where, 
you're kind of wondering like who's playing this spot and who can do so credibly. I think Zoo may be able to, you know, fill in as a backup next year. But again, that takes kind of an optimistic view on what he was last year. And, you know, if he is the same player that he was last year, yeah, that's that's a, a pretty big hole. But, you know, if they wanted Lopez, we saw what he signed for. If they wanted Lopez, they would have had him and, and they just didn't go after him. Yeah, although I, I have heard some stuff about Lopez not being particularly thrilled with his time in, in L.A. Sure, yeah, he didn't play, wasn't featured enough and all that. So, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. that's that's part of it. But we certainly didn't get many reports about the Lakers pursuing him. Yeah. That was more kind of – it was more kind of like, oh, well, we see there's nobody else out on the market. Lakers have this need. Well, obviously, they'll, they'll go after Lopez. But that wasn't how it actually went down. Yep, yeah. And, and so, you know, if we were just to do this as a math problem, like you said, 15 or so minutes from – you know, 15 to 20 minutes from JaVale McGee. You have 40 minute, 48 minutes at this at this position. So maybe you think another 15 minutes to 20 minutes from Zubots, that gets you to about 30 to, to 40 minutes. And then there's, you know, eight minutes or so, 10 to 12 to eight minutes left where maybe it's Wagner, maybe it's LeBron in certain matchups. Maybe it's it, a lot of people have been talking a lot about Luol Deng, but I just don't think he's really an option at this point. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I think that that you know bridge is probably burned. Although there's probably some motivation for him if he wants to keep playing. That you know he's coming up for a contract in two years and will need to demonstrate that he's still an NBA basketball player at some point. And I do think that it would behoove the Lakers to give him a shot. But just nothing that we saw last year. I mean, they were digging deep into the G League and mm-hmm. into you know ten day contracts, things like that before Luol was ever really an option. They approached him to be kind of like play that Corey Brewer type of role. And from what I understand, he wasn't all that interested in doing that. So it was like, okay, you know, he just won't play. So maybe he changes his mind on that, but he would make sense. It would, it would be nice to mend that fence. Uh, We're going to take a quick second and I'm going to take this kind of theory to the next step as to, all right, if this wasn't done on accident and we see how the rotation is going to fill out, what kind of solutions might there be? Who actually makes sense? If LeBron might actually be willing to do this, we'll get to all of that here in a second. The biggest hangup regarding the Lakers center rotation is whether LeBron would be willing to play center, right? Like that's always, he's played, I think 1% of his minutes in his time in the NBA has been at center. Uh, which is a, a pretty telling stat, right? And and even while he was in Cleveland, he was almost reluctant to play the four, right? So like I was, I'm I kind of ride with the people who are dubious about whether or not he's going to accept playing the five. But the one thing that I kind of thought about, or I, that that is kind of stuck in the back of my mind, was that Magic meets with LeBron for three hours, and a- apparently they talk about not just about you know putting a team together or what LA offers and and this stuff too. But Magic said that he studied LeBron's tape and you have all these reports that LeBron is willing to move off of the ball. And I don't think it's something that the Lakers will be leaning on in heavy minutes or, or in any consistent way. But I think that would kind of lend itself to those who were saying, no, actually LeBron might be okay with playing the five on this Lakers team if it's in big moments. 
Yeah, well, we started the the show with the idea that it wasn't by accident that the roster looks this way. And you could probably extend that same idea out to LeBron, right, Mm -hmm. where they – Magic goes into that meeting with, hey, this is what we're looking to do. How do you see yourself? This is how we see you, you know, and getting on the same page at as LeBron gets into the, you know, 33 through 37 years old portion of his career. And so LeBron was probably on board with this. I, you know, I brought up Lopez earlier. They could have had Boogie too, right? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have been back till later in the year. But if that was something they were really scrambling to do, they would have gone for it. And LeBron – as soon as they signed LeBron, they signed Lance and uh, JaVale within like an hour of mm-hmm. that announcement happening. And then they agreed to terms with Rondo the next day. So all of that happened, I think, within a 24-hour period. So yeah, of course LeBron is in the loop on all of this. It, it gets me wondering – I'm curious about your thoughts on this, Anthony, of kind of, of even if they're trying to – almost push basketball forward in the idea of like of, of reimagining what it what five on five is mm-hmm. there are some questions like how much do you need a legitimate seven foot or a legitimate big man to bang down low could we we've never seen anybody really do it we've seen golden state through it it stretches with the hamptons but can you throw five wings slash guards out there and be a competitive team that may even be the angle they're looking to pursue because that's really where this roster is heavy I think there's something to that, and and I think, look, I mean, they, they looked at Golden State's roster. Everybody, it was very obvious to me last year watching Golden State play in the finals that, like, they had three or four guys at the end of their bench who could not play, right? And so maybe the Lakers saw that and said, you know, we want to avoid that, you know? And, and we've also, you know, over the last five years or so, now this is a completely different caliber of player, obviously, but... The Lakers did the inverse of this, where they had lesser perimeter defenders and they tried to funnel them to Roy Hibbert and and try to benefit from everything that Roy Hibbert offers in terms of rim protection. Well, maybe they're thinking, all right, if we have enough badass defenders on the perimeter who are able and willing to switch onto anybody and prevent as much uh, penetration either via the pass or dribble, well, then we don't need your typical rim protecting big, right? And And... For LeBron, like it's a way for him to kind of save his energy, right? If he plays, most people think the five, you got to bang down low with some huge guy, think DeMarcus Cousins, Brooke Lopez, Dwight Howard, whatever it is. Uh, Most people jump to that kind of way of thinking when it comes to the center. But if the Lakers just tell LeBron, look, hang down there by the basket, get your rebounds, just box out your guy, whatever it is, and let the other four guys that are on the court with you work their ass off defensively to make sure that your life is as easy as possible there, you can get away with kind of coasting the way that you have over the last couple of years. I, I agree that that is, it's the same idea of what they're trying to accomplish, but I think the means by which they'll go by it is a little bit differently. I think the Lakers are going to switch more than ever next year. Mm-hmm. One of the things by replacing Brooke Lopez with JaVale McGee is McGee has a bit of switchability to him. Mm-hmm. And then when you see kind of the wings and, and just the construction of the roster, they're very much poised to just do that. And from a defensive perspective, that means less like chasing guys off of screens and with a guy like LeBron, he can stick with the guy that's in front of him on the perimeter. If teams want to run ball screens, the Lakers are just going to switch that and have LeBron defending your point guard. And you're either going to have Alonzo or Josh Hart or KCP or something like that on, on the big. And so 
I, I think that that's a way to kind of minimize the impact on LeBron because he's not going to be down there like banging with those right. guys as often. And, and I, I, I almost wondered like how much of that is even really a thing anymore because yeah. when I watch tape, one of the things like say on a pick and roll, you've got the weak side defender going and he's tagging the roll man. Well, when the shot goes up, that roll man's trying to walk that weak side wing under the basket. So that's where the banging happens. So it's Josh Hart is trying to box out DeAndre Jordan like 10 feet away and DeAndre Jordan's trying to walk him under the basket. Mm-hmm. That's how basketball really works in a, in a lot of ways these days. So I, I don't even know if that thing we've always had in mind, is that even just like a vestige of our 1990s and early yeah. 2000s basketball childhoods and thinking that that still applies? Before we go to break, I just want you to, to take a couple seconds here and, and tell me how cool it's been to just do LeBron video. Like that has to... <laughs> Dude, it's like... So I have loved doing this. I've loved every part of the whole experience I've had with Laker film room growing and all of that. I have also watched a lot of really bad basketball very closely (laughs) over the last couple of seasons. And like, I feel like doing LeBron videos is like a reward, right? (laughs) Just like watching all of that. Cause it's one, I mean, all of us, everybody listening to this, you watched it too and all that. It's one thing to do that. And it's, it just feels very different to then watch it again as soon as the game's over and then chop it into little pieces and then sort it and then look for trends and things like it's just a, a different level of I, I'm grateful I didn't go through like the Robert Sacre, Wayne Ellington, Jordan <laughs> Hill years. I don't think I could have done Laker film room at that time or at least started it then. Yeah. You know, that time's probably coming down in the future. Right. You know, may, hopefully a long time from now, 10, 15 years from now, the Lakers are bad again and I have to, you know, break down bad basketball but it it feels so damn good dude. i can i can imagine it's kind of nice like people who are listening to this show they get to listen to me freak out about lance stevenson and there's a scenario there's a resolution here where he doesn't he isn't included in the in the in the rotation as the year goes along Whereas, like in years past, it'd be like, well, do you think maybe E.G. on Leon might be might be able to help? Like, <laughs> like that's a really sad conversation that we had to have. I mean, our jobs are awesome anyway, in yeah. like any circumstance. But yeah, this takes it to a whole different level. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take one quick second here. When we come back, we'll we'll put a bow on this center conversation, and then we'll we'll talk about the heart. And KCP angle in all this, and 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 I think one leads into the other, and we'll, I'll, I'll explain why here in a second. So you talked in the last segment about switchability and, and how that's a thing that the Lakers are really prioritizing. It's why I really want them to to take a good large, good long look at David Waba coming back potentially next year because he is very capable of switching down the roster and, and not getting uh, boxed under the basket in the way that your typical wing might. And and for both of for both of Josh Hart and KCP, Josh Hart especially, you don't really have to worry about that as much, but we've seen this we've seen this happen with all fan bases. It's not just a Lakers thing, but whenever one player kind of outperforms expectations, the immediate thought process is, okay, what can we get for the other guy? But given the way that the Lakers are kind of building, have built this roster, and given everything that we've talked about to this point, the Lakers need as many good perimeter defenders who can switch all over the court, and and are physical enough to be able to take whatever beating they have to on the rare occasion that they do. Uh, Josh Hart and KCP are very valuable in in that sense because they can do that and also shoot the three ball. Yeah, very much so. It's it's going to be great to have both of them. I. 
I'm conflicted on the Hart versus KCP thing, and I agree with you that it doesn't even have to be a versus thing, right? It's great mm-hmm. that we have both of them. Um, on one hand, the biggest value that KCP provides over Hart at the very least is his ability to come off of screens and then make a shot as well as Josh Hart has played. That's not something it's, and I'm not even saying that's something Hart is bad at. He just doesn't do it very often. It's very rare where he comes off of a screen where KCP can go from a dead run coming from the corner, get a stagger screen from two guys, catch the ball between the wing and the top of the key pivot, you know, front turn toward the basket and let it fly all in one motion fairly quickly. I haven't seen Josh Hart do that. And that's something that LeBron really thrives off of. We saw him do that with Corver and various other guys over the course of his career. Um, So that to me, LeBron and KCP in the same unit are a very easy fit. On the flip side of it, I'm going to argue against myself real quick before kicking it back to you. I apologize. Mm -hmm. Um, Is Josh Hart is more part of the Lakers long-term plans than KCP is. It may be more well suited for long term plans for Josh Hart to get as many minutes with LeBron as possible. Um, And I think if it hasn't already happened in the very near future, Josh Hart is going to be a better player than KCP. Again, if that hasn't happened already. So. To me, this year is going to be a fun year, an exciting year. I don't have championship aspirations. And it, part of it's maybe a tryout year, like who fits next to LeBron, who amongst the young core, you know, and, and I think it's important to help answer those questions. So I, I don't know, Matt, where do you stand on kind of like the those two and where they fit into the whole bigger picture? Bigger picture, I mean, Josh Hart is making half as much money over three years than KCP is making this one year. You know, right. <laughs> so, so well, Josh Hart's going to be around, you know, like yeah. unless there's he's part of a trade for some stud like Josh Hart's part of the plans. Yeah. And 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 look, it's it says something that Josh Hart being a late first round pick. Right. Was he number 30? Yeah, he was the last pick in the first round. Yeah. So it says something that a late first round pick might be desirable in a trade for a, a, the aforementioned stud. We're think we're both thinking Kawhi Leonard right now. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know. In that sense, the the, the fact and, and the improvement that he showed, like the point that I made last night at the end of the show was that like Josh Hart kind of sort of set the bar for the rest of the young core. Like they have to show some kind of similar improvement, albeit that it won't be in, against summer league players. So that kind of it kind of helps him set that that high bar. But he's kind of with with the way he's played in summer league and the things that he's been able to show that and he called his shot before he came into this thing. He said he wanted to work on dribbling. He wanted to work on his defense. He wanted to work on his shooting. And he's improved all three of those things. And he said he wanted to dominate summer league. He's on the verge of potentially winning summer league MVP. So like he called his shot and he lived up to it. Culturally, across the Lakers organization, Kuzma's looking at and saying, all right, well, I got to I got to match that now. You know, mm-hmm. Lonzo Ball is 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 watching this, and when he comes back from injury, he's going to say, "Oh, I got to I got to watch that now," and and that's a, that's a it's a completely intangible way to define this, but the Lakers are are very interested, and they have talked ad nauseum about culture building, and this goes a long way in in helping set that kind of tone. Now, th- to me, they very much nailed that, and I was really skeptical about that when they started it, but I was wrong, and they built a culture where that competitiveness right like i thought they were going for like kind of quiet good dudes and no they're they're going killers you know Mm -hmm. and you can be a good dude and a killer at the same time but these guys really get after each other and then when you turn that loose on the opponents that really shows up in a big way uh you know in, in a tangible way that's going to we saw the way summer league last year flowed into the season i think the same thing's going to happen with Hart and even a guy like 
just an organizational piece like Alex Caruso, right? He's not going to be a part of the a championship rotation or anything. But that that uh, attitude, he shares it with the other guys. He's just not as talented, right? Mm-hmm. But it permeates every level of the organization, like going up against each other. And, and they've really brought that out in a way that like, I, I'm I'm so excited, dude. I'm just so excited about yeah. this team right now. The season needs to start tomorrow. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous, man. <laughs> I'm so glad I get to like just pour into tape and whatnot, because I would be just like Tom Hanks and Castaway, just like carving tallies into a rock like waiting for the first day of training camp you know like it's just yeah it's a brutal time i hope in some small way you and i can help people you know get through that with a little <laughs> bit of lakers content because this is the worst part of the calendar year for me this is yeah we're there's nothing but baseball to focus on moving forward like that's just what the hell american sports like that's the sport that gets its own season what are you doing like what are we doing I, so Along these lines, God, this I can't believe I'm admitting this on air. I just bought, and we're not even getting paid for the advertisement. Have you ever played out of the park baseball? No. It's like a baseball. It's a baseball sim. Oh. Like I, me, me. <laughs> it was like, I like baseball's okay, right? I like bought this sim recently, and I'm like totally into it. Like it's what I do between making videos or if my eyes are glazing over, and like I'll play a little out of the park baseball. Like I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm running this like it's got like rookie ball, single A, <laughs> Gulf Coast League, Venezuelan League. We just need the friggin' season to start. Is my point. That's that's my point with all of this. Uh, the good news is by the time everybody is listening to this there's a chance the Dodgers will have traded for Manny Machado so that's you know that'll help that'll help get us there um the last couple things before we move on here we I wanted to talk about summer league as a whole uh the experience of being there and stuff that we saw we haven't even talked about Svi Mikhailuk who I'm not even kidding the last like five ten minutes of of conversation here that we've been talking about after you mentioned coming off of screens there was a play in yesterday's game where he caught the ball and he was facing basically the complete opposite direction. Uh, his left foot was forward by a lot. And he was able to turn and in the air make the jumper from like a foot or two behind the three-point line. I think you know exactly which one I'm talking about. I absolutely do. And there were a couple of others that weren't on that level, but they were like of the same ilk where he had to like really do a severe front turn yeah. and like these are big boy shots that he's hitting. <laughs> and that's why I'm like I'm like basically fighting people in my mentions that are like, stop it. It's just summer league. This and I'm like, no, you don't understand. No, it's a, it was like, it's the way like he's you, making these shots. You can either do stuff like that or you can't, like yeah. you can't fake that shot that you were describing right there. You can either do that or you can't. Yeah. And like he, he can do it like that boy. Whew. It was, it was, he made that shot. And that was, that was the moment I tweeted out Sfeezus Christ. Like, holy crap. Like it was in, I was sitting there and, and Jen uh, she has to before at the end of every day, she has to call like clients and stuff and, and tell them, all right, I'm going to be at your house at so and so time or whatever. And and she was in the complete other room across the house. There was me, the kitchen and then where she was sitting and she had to lean back and say, Fred, you need to calm the hell down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dude, th- that kid, man, like. They they did it again like that. I I don't know where he's going to get minutes at the beginning of the season. Like you got to figure he starts from a deficit. Like as much as we want it to be, it's not going to be like him and Lance have the equal chance of getting minutes at the wing. This is not how it works. We know that. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not fair and it's not yep. right. But boy, man, give that kid an opportunity. Those are big boy shots he's hitting. I, I'm looking forward to 
you know, right now, every time the, the Warriors draft just about anybody in the second round, everybody's, oh, they did it again. How'd they get so-and-so, whatever it is. And I'm looking forward to those conversations being about Svi because he, I think he's legit. How All right, if you, if you had to... If you had to try to prognosticate on on how much translates over to this, what percentage do you think we're see we would see from Svi in in this contract that we're going to see? He has three years. He's under contract for three years. Do you think eighty five percent? Like, do you think eighty five percent of what we're seeing translates over? Or it's hard for me to think of it in percentages. Mm-hmm. What I would say is that the. I think the thing that doesn't translate too much is probably the pick and roll play. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's competent with the ball in his hands, yeah. but I think in on an, in an NBA setting he's not going to be beating some of the guys he has that to he's make been his beating. passes with with both hands, which concerns mm, me a little bit. That's a good observation. I hadn't noticed that, but now that you say that, that's absolutely the case. And and just like some of his like some of his his inside out dribbles or like, I don't know, like it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's just on the NBA level, there is also going to be probably two or three other guys on the court that you'd rather have mm-hmm. doing that action. So he won't do it very often. But on this team, I think most of it translates because it's shooting, right? Like the ability to hit spot up jumpers and hit jumpers coming off screens, like and crazy shot. What's what's funny is guys are closing out so hard to hit yeah. that I don't even think he re- and he was so hot he was like, screw it, I'm six eight, I'm just going to go the top. <laughs> that's of you, right? the, that's the cool thing is that he's so tall it doesn't matter, right? And but if he just like mixes in a pump fake here or there, like Chicky used to always talk about the popcorn machine, he's going to have everybody covered in <laughs> butter and salt, man. Cause like, he's got guys just going shooter, 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 you know, and, and closing out hard. And yeah, boy, that kid. And he just turned 21 in June. Like he's young. He's yeah. still a young guy. And yeah. yeah, I think most of it translates over even the defensive stuff. He's got good feet. I like, yes, that's a good point. And, and, you know, he's a white guy, so he's always going to get this kind of benefit of the doubt that like, he tries hard, you know, like <laughs> black guys don't usually get that benefit of the doubt, but, but he, he does have good instincts. He is tech, usually in, in the right spot. And, and even if he doesn't get the full on contest because he has the alligator arms that he has, which in my opinion, help him shoot the way that he does, but yeah, quicker release, shorter levers make quicker motions. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he did, he isn't always there to contest in the way that somebody who is longer than him can, but, but he, at least he's there. And, and, you know, one of the points that Matt Moore always makes is look, just trying is the first step. Trying defensively consistently is the first step, and he does. And and at least there's that to work with defensively. Um, it's kind of a bummer that we didn't get to see Mo Wagner as much in, in Summer League. But from what little we were able to see, both in Sacramento and, and Las Vegas, this will be the last thing we talk about here, but but from what little that we did see from, from both of those things, uh, if he was to receive seven five to seven maybe even 10 minutes i don't think he gets 10 minutes a game but five to seven minutes a game are those minutes that he gets would you would you look at those as like okay we'll we'll see how he does here or let's just get through these five to seven minutes and, and get back to the actual guys who should be playing are we talking about wagner at this yeah. point uh-huh yeah um no mo can mo should be against second units yeah. Like if he's playing any minutes now, obviously like he wouldn't be starting, but in, there are different port, points of like the late first or like, eh, you know, later third quarters where you yeah. can start be can kind of trickling in with the starters and whatnot. Like to me, he's like a straight up second unit guy right now. 
but he did show something on the defensive end, right? He needs to be able to make his shots. That was the thing that was missing in summer league. That's also not uncommon mm-hmm. for guys to not shoot particularly well. And it's one of the things that translates the least, whether you shoot well or poorly. It, it, and Anthony he showed Brown in college. Nodding just really begrudgingly right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If like we saw, um, you know, yeah, we've seen plenty of guys. We saw plenty enough from him in college where he was knocking down open jumpers, which is what really all he needs to do. He doesn't need to be hitting like crazy contested shots with the type of shots that we're seeing seeing Svi hit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to do that. Yeah. Um, and he showed some, he has good feet as well. Good hands, just like Svi. Um, good degree of quickness. I don't think it's going to be like this year he's going to be a good player, but I think he can go out there and give you competent minutes. You need to be careful about when you're putting him out there versus when you're putting Zubats out there. There will mm-hmm. probably be matchups where you need Zoo's strength more than you need what Wagner brings to the table. But yeah, I think Wagner can be competent, but I'm definitely more excited about Svi and I think Bonga is, uh, I'm a little, a little worried about him even as, as young as he is. I'm, I'm, I'm completely out on Bonga. I, the only reason I'm not is because he's so young, yeah. but I would have loved to see, I, like, I just look for attributes. It's hard yep. for me to be out on a guy in summer league. Like I'm pretty all positives, very little negative because I'm just looking for like, can he do certain things? Which is why speak coming off of the screen, the way that you did, like you need to do that or you can't. And yeah. like, it's real for me, Bonga, like, I see that he can handle the ball. I see that he's got good court vision. My biggest concern is that he's just not that good of an athlete either. No. So I don't feel like there's a, a whole ton of great play to work with. He can and he can move well for a guy's size, but as soon as he has to plant a foot in the ground and get vertical, he, he can barely jump over a phone book, you know. No. And I don't know. There's just he's taken up a roster spot for three years. Um, and I think the last year is not guaranteed, but anyway, I know that I knew that he was raw and he still managed, has managed to kind of underperform my expectations. What concerns me the most with Bonga is he has, you, you mentioned the verticality stuff. That's a concern, but he can't move laterally. Like he goes, he goes to spin and he just stays on the same axis. It's insane. It's actually kind of funny to watch it where he like, he goes to like change directions and he just winds up if he doesn't it's hard to show this or 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 showcase this in a in a audio format but but just picture somebody who if they if they're moving forward and they plant their right foot to to shift back to their left instead of going left they actually take another step forward and and it's just it's it's tough to watch and and you know the traveling stuff it it that the traveling stuff doesn't concern me as much because he's so young that the game is moving so fast and his feet get a little happy. If anything, I was happy that he's he's athletic enough to travel. Like <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's kind of a mean thing to say, but but yeah, the that's the one spot where where I wish the La- I, I would have preferred the Lakers had held off held off and, and seen what they saw with with him and maybe give him a two way deal and and have that extra open roster spot in case they need to add another wing or another big or, or whatever they have to do right now their hands are kind of tied because they only have one roster spot and they potentially have multiple roster needs they they do if they if this wasn't all on purpose and the conversation that we didn't have at the very beginning of the show wasn't all on purpose then they do need another big uh if that was all on purpose, then they do need another wing probably to 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 help defend around the perimeter and, and make whoever is playing the five spot 
their life a little easier. Um, preferably, you'd be able to get both <laughs> to, to, to be able to balance out both of your needs there, but they can't do that now with, with Bonga taking up a roster spot. Yeah, I mean, if they can turn him into just an NBA caliber player at some point in the next two to three years, I think that'll be a remarkable accomplishment by their player development guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, that'll do it for this episode of uh, the Locked On Lakers podcast. You guys know where to find the show. You guys know where to find us. Uh, we're, this is probably we're getting near the territory where this might be the last full week of shows as as we get into the full on off season. That that and and I'll let uh, Her- or, nope. I'll let. I'm sorry. I just almost called you Harrison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm gonna let Pete enjoy his out of the park. Uh, baseball game as we get into the full-on off-season mode here. I might try it out myself. I'm, I, I like to nerd out about stuff like that. Uh, but thanks, everybody, for listening. Fun week ahead. I have a, a fun guest that you guys will really like for tomorrow's show. Um, have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you then. 